Well, thanks to social media and the internet, the world is becoming more interconnected and people from all these different communities that we would never expect like a knitter to come from is starting to pop up and start their own business and introducing the, their, the craft of knitting to their own communities and cultures. That was Francois Denoy, knitwear designer, Instagram guru, and marketing maven. On this episode of the Power Pearls podcast, where you'll always hear candid conversations with everyday knitters and designers with compelling backstories. I'm Kara Gott Warner, host of Power Pearls, and I will dig deep and ask the big question, why we started knitting and what keeps our needles going? Hey, welcome to another episode of Power Pearls Podcast. I'm Kara Gott Warner, and today I am talking to Francois Denoy. She's a knitwear designer and self-proclaimed Instagram guru. And let me tell you, she definitely is, because as of this recording, she has almost 14,000 Instagram followers. So we're going to talk about that in this episode. And she's going to give you some really cool tips and a little uh, free PDF guide so that you can get started and get your groove on with Instagram. She designs under the label Aroha Knits. And I don't think I'm saying that right, but it's Aroha. Aroha. I can't say it. I'm sorry, Francois. But anyway, she will, she'll pronounce it correctly. Her brand's mission is to enrich, encourage, and empower creatives in the fiber industry so they can fearlessly pursue their goal of running a small fiber business. So without further ado, we're going to jump in and meet Francois. Hey, Francois, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, this is great. So, um, you know, I wanted to bring you on because you know, I want you to talk about your journey and how, you know, we, you and I actually connected, which is kind of an interesting story. Um, you know, so I'll just kind of give a little bit of an overview here. So, you know, you had been listening to the podcast and then, you know, you started sending in some designs to create a knitting magazine. And then, you know, we started communicating and I, you know, I soon discovered the impact that you were making as a designer in the, in the few short years that you had been out there. So I thought it would be really cool to have you on Power Pearls to talk about your journey to the design world. And, you know, also, you know, you're, you're just crushing it on Instagram. So, you know, I, and, and, you know, and you're using that as your main platform, right? So I want you to also talk about that. So we'll, you know, I'll ask you some more questions about that as we kind of dig in more. Um, And, you know, I just, you know, Francois's story is, is really an interesting one. So I want you all to hear this because she's not only an incredibly talented designer, but she understands the importance of marketing and looking at her business from a more of a holistic perspective, which is something that, you know, I talk about a lot on this podcast. So, you know, she has also invested in a, a, you know, a mentorship program with me and we get together every month. So it's a really cool experience because, you know, it's all about the accountability and, you know, just having someone hold you to the, your butt to the fire, so to speak. So we do that. It's right. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. I mean, these are things that, um, that you can do, you know, 
with many people that you're, you know, peers in your, in, in the industry. And, uh, you know, so we'll talk about that. We'll just, we'll dig in more in a little bit. So what I want to do is first, uh, you know, kind of jump into some of these questions for you, Francois. You ready? Mm-hmm. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So I want to ask you about your designing journey, but and I know maybe we'll kind of, you'll want to go back a little bit to kind of how you, yeah. how you started knitting and, you know, how you arrived to where you are today. So, uh, you know, can you do that and also kind of maybe jump into some sort of, you know, moment, like a pivotal or aha moment that you knew this was the direction that you wanted to go in as a career? Sure, I can do that. So I picked up knitting for the first time as my New Year's resolution for It was 2014 because the year before I had to quit my job working as an English teacher in Japan because my American green card was on the verge of being like taken away from me. So I had to return back to the States and apply for American citizenship. So during that time, I was stuck in the States for about six to eight months, not being able to really do anything. I wouldn't be able to start have a full-time job and start a career there. So I had to pick up a part-time job just to keep me occupied and busy. But still, when I would get go home, I found myself to be very found myself very bored and feeling unfulfilled and unproductive. But around that time, my mother had picked up knitting. Um, I think she was really inspired by the Hunger Games movie because there was a lot of knitwear in that movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> so she, yeah. So she picked up knitting needles and she was really enjoying herself. So I asked her uh, around at the beginning of the year, hey, can you teach me how to knit? So she taught me the basics. And from there, it was like instant love at, well, love at first first sight. I took to knitting just really quick and I just enjoyed the entire process. It just felt really natural to me. Um, Growing up, I really liked to do crafty things like sewing, sketching, drawing, painting, and music, but I felt like it never really connected to me, or I always felt like that I wasn't growing enough, or I just it just didn't come to me naturally, but was knitting, it was an instant thing. So it helped me pass the time, because also I was also missing my fiance, he was still in Japan working as a teacher, and so that helped me take my, my mind off things while I was waiting for my citizenship. And also during that time, while knitting other people's patterns, I started dabbling in making my own little designs of my own because I like to do my own thing. And so about four months after I picked up knitting for the first time, I published a very simple design onto Ravelry, just a very simple cow with some texture stitches. And I found that I really had fun writing up the pattern, even though hitting publish on Ravelry was super scary. But I really enjoyed the process of designing a pattern, writing it, taking photos, and uploading it. So I decided, hey, this is fun. It gives me something to do. You know, a nice little hobby that I can look forward to when I get home from work. So I published a couple more patterns over the months. And, so, and every once in a while, I get a sale. And that really encouraged me, saying, hey, you know, maybe I can do something. And so when I got my U.S. citizenship and I moved back to Japan with my hus- uh, to, uh, to move in with my husband, I found that because of my current Japanese visa status, I wasn't allowed to work in Japan. So I was thinking, oh, well, so I got this hobby now. So let's make it a full-time hobby and see where that takes me. So I invested more time into designing, advancing my knitting skills, um, growing and evolving my craft, and just having fun with it, just seeing how mm-hmm. far I could take my knitting skills and see, and just learning things and just enjoying the journey. Yeah, and I... 
Yeah. And I just want to say, though, that that full time hobby word that you used. Um, sorry, I want to just jump in because, you know, it's important that in the beginning, you know, you were just experimenting, you know, and I just I wanted to just mention that because sometimes, you know, we get into this idea like, oh, this is the next best thing. And yes, I mean, we should follow our, you know, passion is hugely important because that's going to help drive those skills and develop those other areas. But you kind of went into this with like an open mind and said, you know, hey, I'm going to give it a go. I, you know, because you couldn't get the visa thing going and work. So this is this was like a kind of like a good, a good little surprise <laughs> for you. So anyway, go carry on. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted it's to jump right, in it's there. Right. So I continued publishing more patterns. And I just saw little small increments in growth in the reception from the designs that I published, you know, people buying my patterns, leaving nice comments, p- uploading their little FOs on Ravelry. And that really encouraged me to keep going on, you know, that this full-time hobby wasn't a waste of time, that, you know, me staying at home knitting all day wasn't wasn't making me an unproductive member of society and all that. So I decided to take it, you know, a few steps further, just continuing and growing myself. But, like, the moment when I shifted from a full-time hobby to a full-time career, as I like to say, was in January 2015, so a year after I started knitting, when I released my Capriya shawl, and it was a really good seller. It hit, uh, like, Ravelry's hot right now page like going up to number 10 or five or something like that and people were really loving it lots of people were buying it and that told me hey I think I can actually make this work so that really encouraged me to um, determine my resolution for 2015 from shifting from a full-time hobby to a career that I was going to take this seriously I was going to really focus on marketing making my pushing myself in terms of design stepping outside of my comfort zone trying new types of constructions dabbling into design techniques that maybe I hadn't tried before but just really stretching myself and trying new things and make basically making myself the best that I could be yeah, I'm, you know, and that's the thing that, you know, you, you went into this with like this, this idea, like, hey, I'm just, I love this. And I'm not going to wonder, hmm, you know, is this going to work? Is this the right industry? You know, because a lot of people are actually saying that, like the yarn industry is dying, you know, and, but you know, you were thinking of like, I use, I like the word that you use, you know, you were stretching yourself, right? You were, you know, and thinking out of the box, you know, what could you do differently? You know, because, everything's been done patterns, you know, there's a lot of patterns out there. But like, the whole your whole approach, you know, your brand approach, the marketing piece is is that that's like really important. So you've kind of created this special kind of, um, you know, approach to imagery and the way that you approach your, um, you know, your presentation. So I think that that's a really important uh, aspect. So, um, but you know, like what I was just kind of, you know, alluding to, and you know, many are saying that the yarn, <laughs> the yarn industry is dying, or it's da- let's just say it's on a downturn. So how would you say that that's not true? Well, thanks to social media and the internet, the world is becoming more interconnected. And people from all these different communities that we would never expect knit, like a knitter to come from are starting to pop up and start their own business and introducing the their the craft of knitting to their own communities and cultures like for example i just finished a design collaboration with a uh, yarn dyer in indonesia who 
um, I think who has the title of being Indonesia's first yarn dyer. And it is her mission to not only introduce the knitting community to the Indonesian culture, but also introduce the, Indone her, the Indonesian community to knitting and what an amazing and magical craft it is. So I think with more people around the world being able to you know, follow each other on Instagram and see what everybody's doing and some of those things that people are doing is knitting, I think it's, it inspires them to try a craft that they've never done before and then find that they have a passion for it. And so it's just in these places around the world, like Indonesia, um, all these other places like in Asia, for example, people are picking up this craft that's not so commonly um, used or it's not a form of, it's not a common form of crafting that they would have in their community, but these people are saying, hey, you know, there's something here that we could all really enjoy. So in some places, maybe it is, it is shrinking, but in some other places, it's starting to grow and develop its own life. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good point that you mentioned, because Indonesia, I mean, like, this is a whole new thing for, mm -hmm. for you know, that country, probably. And, uh, you know, so, um, and the internet, like, it's, it's amazing. It's like this magical place, like how, you know, how you can reach people. And if you think of it from that perspective, and how powerful social is, like, if yeah. you don't value the power of social, then yeah, I mean, then then you're not going to find that kind of, um, you know, that that magic ingredient, because I think that's really where, you know, kind of where you can really reach people in, you know, in a, in a huge, huge way. So you, you know, and you talk a little bit about, okay, so Indonesia, um, that, so, so as far as your heritage, I mean, isn't that part of your background? Um, yes. And I want you to talk a little bit about that, because I've noticed in on when you're on, because you're Periscope, you're, you've been really kind of, uh, rocking on there too. And you've been talking about your, your, this is what I think makes you, your designs are very unique. It's also, it's the way you present them on Instagram. And also, you know, you're, you add in that bit of culture. So can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. So the first thing that I believe when it comes to my designs, that my design is not just a pretty thing, but it also has a story behind it, whether it's in the name or the motif that I use with it and I draw a lot of that inspiration and the stories from my Maori culture so I'm French and Maori but growing up uh, and to clarify the map the Maori are the indigenous people of New Zealand so but growing up I was more connected with my French side I grew I not grew up but I spent a few years in France learned the French language majored in French in college like I was Frenchie, I mean, that's, that's, what, that's where my nickname comes from. Um, but knitting has kind of, when I first picked up knitting, I got this little spark of inspiration in the back of my mind saying, hey, maybe further down the road when you get more skilled with these different types of knitting techniques such as color work, maybe you can find a way to incorporate these intricate Maori uh, geometric motifs into your design work. And so designing has been a way for me to connect with the Maori culture that I never really got a chance to learn about growing up and also introducing it to the knitting community and also hopefully later down the line as uh, with, thanks to the power of the internet, I've actually got a few Ma other Maori crafters who have come across my work and saying, oh my gosh, I love this. I want to see more of these Maori designs from you. So it's encouraging the, the knitting community, uh, it, introducing the Native community to the Maori culture and then encouraging people Maori if they want to do knitting that there is a space for them. So it's a it's a two-way street 
And then there's me as a way to connect and learn about the, my culture. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing. So you're learning so much just about mm-hmm. the Maori people. I mean, have you connected before uh, with with the, the people of that culture, um, you know, before you were designing and, and doing what you're doing now through your knitting? No, not really. I mean, my mm-hmm. mother would tell me stories about, you know, and like about my ancestors and what have like little paintings and um, artifacts from the Maori culture around the house. But having grown up in the States, that was already a huge disconnect from the Maori community since they're all in New Zealand or Australia. So I was disconnected from that. And like I said, I was more, uh, my parents were more focused on um, uh, growing me. How should I say? More focused on my, that I was more connected to my French heritage because French is unfortunately more valuable than the Maori culture, like in terms of language, at least. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so you just started talking about your, your heritage, Mm -hmm. uh, your Maori heritage, and people just started kind of responding to that, I guess, Mm -hmm. like from, uh, from New Zealand, the people of the same culture, and they just Mm -hmm. sort of, that's it. So that so all you had to do was start talking about it and using those hashtags and all that stuff. It did take a long time (laughs) to build up, I will say. In fact, like when I said when uh, they started connecting, it was like what happened within this last month, like um, a Maori author, she signed up for my newsletter and she said, hey, I just came across your works because I was, you know, took up weaving. I was looking for some inspiration for designs and I came across your knitwear patterns and I love it. I want to see more from you. And then a few days later, somebody asked, hey, can I buy this cow from you? I really love uh, the motif on it and, so, and stuff like that. So the knitting community, they know that I like to use and introduce the Maori culture into my pattern work and a lot of uh, fiber, a lot of the fiber community in New Zealand know about it, but it's the Maori that I'm still trying to connect to and it's slowly getting there. I mean, I've already made some connections there. So that's, so why I still have got a long way to go when I got that first email saying, Hey, I'm Maori and I'm a knitter. I was like, yes, I did it. Mm, that's so cool. <laughs> I yeah, love it. Really cool. Yeah. I just, yeah, again, the magic of, you know, the internet and like, you know, of course we wouldn't be sitting here talking right now. I mean, it's amazing because mm-hmm. you live in Japan and I'm in Indiana, <laughs> you know, yep. it's crazy. And I know it's very late for you. So, uh, you know, we're talking my time really early in the morning and it's, um, like 10 or 11 o'clock at night almost. (laughs) It's crazy. So I want to shift gears a little bit and I want to talk about your brand's mission to enrich, encourage, and empower creatives in the fiber industry so that they can fearlessly pursue their goals of running a small fiber business. Can you talk about how you're making this happen now? Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. (laughs) So one way... I try to enrich, encourage, and empower uh, fiber bosses. That's what uh, that's the term that me and my friend came up with. It's just basically by being transparent, being authentic, and saying, "Here, I'm sharing what I've learned with you," and it's just basically your choice whether or not you want to partake in this information that I'm sharing with you. But uh, one specific example that I can give is a challenge that I've been running on Instagram this week, which is called five shawls in five days. And so it's just a very simple challenge. Each day of the week for five days, I send out a secret shawl shape um, that 
where I talk a bit about the construction, um, what the use is that you can use the shawl shape for, you, you've seen in designs, and then making the knitter knit up a small mini prototype of that uh, shawl shape so that way they can really understand how the theory gets applied in real life so they can understand how the increases or the decreases come together to form this specific shape. And when I first started this challenge or when I first came up with it, I was thinking, you know, do people really need this? Are they going to find this interesting? Is this something that people want? But when I launched it and got people signing up and when the first day started rolling around, people really took to it. They found it not only enjoyable, but they found it also really educational, inspirational, motivational. Um, for some people, this was their first time knitting these different shawl shapes. For other people, it started getting their inspiration, the design juices flowing for uh, inspiration for shawl designs. It just made them feel really good about themselves they learned some really cool lessons or things from from these shawl constructions learning from the mistakes that they made playing around with different um, increase um, stitches for example like yarn overs what happens if you substitute with a make one or a knit front and back just basically me letting them giving them the theory the tools and also the push to hey take the time just 30 minutes to knit this to really see how it all works out and just making them and so once they do it they feel really good about themselves and they just get so excited it's like oh my gosh this just opens up a whole new world of possibilities for me in terms of just like knitting these uh, patterns or designing my own and that was just that really encompasses the enrichment the encouragement and the empowerment of my brand mission I think pretty well yeah and you mentioned fiber bosses and I you know because I wanted you to ask ask you a little bit because I've been following you um you know you've got a uh, a Facebook group. It's called mm -hmm. uh, Fiber Boss, uh, the Fiber Boss Collective. Group uh, Collective. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. Yes, okay. and, and so we'll mention that in the show notes. So, we, so because it's a really cool group. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I really like to every now and again jump in there and talk it up a little bit. And mm -hmm. um, and then you've got your podcast. You have yes. the Fiber Boss podcast too, and that you guys started with um, uh, your partner Chelsea, right? Chelsea, yeah, Chelsea Fitch of Netfitch. This yeah. was all of her idea, and I was mm -hmm. the one that made sure that she got it done. Because <laughs> she was like, yeah. Francoise, I really want to do this. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to make sure you do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, and with, you know, the Fiber Boss Collective on Facebook, this is a great group. You guys are growing every day. And I think your mission, you know, this is a great way for you to get that your mission out. And I, I love how you have challenges, you know, like on Fridays and then on Mondays and other days where you're just like, um, you know, just the, sh the different kind of shout outs that you put out there for people to jump on and really empower them and get them excited. Um, so I think that, you know, if anyone out there is looking for this kind of connection, you should definitely check out the this uh, this group um so awesome so now you know i want to kind of pivot over to instagram because you were just talking about your challenge and this is a good segue right so you know talk about um you know what it is that you're doing uh and now you've got over thirteen thousand uh followers on instagram it's very insane. close to 14 <laughs> but no. now and so i looked yeah and i looked back um I, I one night i said let me just look way 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 back to when you started and you were like mm -hmm. everybody else you know you were yep. you, you didn't have any theme you know you were posting like pictures they were nice they were nice pictures but like your wedding and then like you were oh, having fun <laughs> yeah that was beautiful though beautiful photo um 
And and then, but like what a lot of people do, and and then you really got serious. You told me earlier in 2014, you, you know, I think is when you said, I'm really going to work this thing mm-hmm. and then come up with a plan and a theme and the way that you, you post, you have color, you know, your imagery is very, very uh, intentional, the way that you, you put it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, is there, uh, you know, talk about how you're, how you're doing this and, you know, just maybe some tips for anyone that might want to start, uh, you know, kind of upping the ante on their Instagram. Mm-hmm. Well, at the beginning, when I first started getting really serious about Instagram, it was just mostly me, uh, really learning how to take better photos. There was still no theme. I still really didn't know how to like connect with my followers that much, although I like to do giveaways. But first I was just focusing on one thing and just getting my photos up to standard. And also just learn how to be more uh, comfortable with my iPhone because I don't have a lot of time in the days. And sometimes I just, you know, don't want to spend that time with my DSLR taking really fancy photos. Just whip up my iPhone and use that instead. But uh, with my Instagram, I really try to make sure that the content that I post on there ties back into my brand's mission. My brand mission pretty much informs everything that I do, what kind of uh, content I post on media, on social media, what kind of newsletters I send out each week, you know, what kind of patterns I publish, enrich, encourage, and empower. So by having that brand mission in mind, that really helps inform me what kind of posts or images and what kind of captions I write on my Instagram posts. Not, I don't often meet it. Sometimes I don't meet it. Sometimes I just want to put like a really nice photo on there and say like, hey, this is what I'm working on. But more often than not, I try to think, okay, how can I lighten up somebody's day? How can I inspire them or motivate them or educate them in any way possible? So by first establishing my brand's mission and really thinking about what I really wanted to bring to the community, that pretty much set the tone for the rest of, how I express myself and how I run Instagram. And so how often do you post? I mean, do you have a, do you believe in like the formula of like two to three times a day? I post at least one time a day and I take all my photos, like I prepare all my photos, um, take photos like once or twice a week. Like I take a whole bunch of photos, a batch of photos, edit them so that way they're all ready to go. So that way I'm not scrambling, trying to find the best light or trying to find some or, trying to find something to post for that day. Although there are those moments where I'm just like, hey, I think I'm just gonna take a really nice picture of this and then post it. But for me, it's once a day. If I am able to twice a day, but once is what hmm, works for really? me. Yeah, okay. it, it depends on your audience, really. It does, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's good to know because so if you're, cause you know, sometimes, you know, each platform is different. And some people mm-hmm. might be thinking, oh my gosh, I have to post five times a day. And then no. to put together that, that you know, that, that, imagery, so to speak, uh, you know, it, it's just hard to uh, do that five times a day. And, you know, especially for people that are, that are working full time, you know, you know what I mean? So are you using daylight? Or do you have like special lights that you're using with your with your iPhone? Because you're doing it all from your iPhone. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. beautiful work. I just use natural light. I figure out what times in the morning or in the day that I've get the best light from my window. I set up everything around that spot, take the photo, and then I edit it up in using Snapseed or a color story. Just very simple editing apps. Wow, that's great. Now, you hear that, guys? It's all deliberate, you know? <laughs> so it's like planning ahead instead of, oh, that looks like a good little shot, and the light is really bad. Like, don't do that on Instagram. <laughs> I mean, so- it just depends on what you want to do. But for me, I treat Instagram as my 
portfolio. So when people、mm. come to my page, they're able to get a sense of my design aesthetic, the type of photos I like to post, and also just the general quality of my work. That's really important too, and you know, like I,、uh, so so we've been talking lately.、Uh, you know, you may be、um, doing a little bit of. Stuff for Annie's, right? So,、uh, and I connected you with、um, someone at the company, and I just told her, I, you know, I said, just check out Francoise's、um, Instagram feed. Like, it, it's all right there. Like, you're going to be blown away. And you're that's exactly right. I mean, it is a, a portfolio. So if you're smart, this is the easy way to do it, guys. I mean,、mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like,、uh, and and that was it was just a shoe in. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's great. So, do you have any、um, resources available that、um, that maybe someone can you know just start with you and kind of get their bearings for Instagram? Like maybe because、mm-hmm. I think you have some some courses that are available. Yes, so I created two mini e-courses that I put up on my website. The first one is about how to take photos with your iPhone because. I'm just taking photos, like good photos with the DSLR. White. While it does get better photos, it just takes so long. So I share my top five tips for taking better photos on for Instagram with your iPhone. And then the second one is about how to grow your audience on Instagram organically. So because buying followers is not the way to go about growing your audience. I mean, you're just buying bots. So I share my five tips in that video as well. So it's two different classes going on two different topics. But I also created a special PDF for the listeners today, where I share my top five tips for creating an engaged audience on Instagram. That I can talk about if you want me to give a、oh, brief、yeah. overview. Yeah, that would be awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So very briefly, just these five tips for creating an engaged audience on Instagram. And later,、uh, you can download the PDF by going to www.adahunits.com/powerpearls. So the first one to create an engaged audience is learning what posts already are getting the most engagement. See which ones are getting the most likes, the most comments, and then focusing on creating. Posts similar to that. So for me, for example, the the,、uh, the images that get the most likes and comments are pictures of yarn, my works in progress, FOs, sometimes a picture of my cat, and so those <laughs> four things, yarn related, and I keep to that, stick to that, usually on brand. And if I go off that, it's just very rarely once in a while if I have something special to announce. The second one is to create a hashtag, so for yourself. So even if you got a small following. Creating a hashtag for yourself is really good for community building because as your following grows bigger, you want to encourage people to use that hashtag. For example, if they buy your yarn or they're using your yarn or they're knitting up your pattern, you want to encourage them to use that hashtag so that way you can go into that hashtag, see who's posted there, and liking and commenting on those photos just to create engagement and making that follower feel special. Like, hey, I'm taking the time out of my day to notice you. So creating a hashtag,、mm. and then the third one is to engage in other hashtags that are that are where you would expect to find your audience. So, for example, for me, since I'm a knitwear designer, I would spend time in the knitting hashtag, knitters of Instagram hashtag, and everything related to that. Just liking photos there, leaving comments, just leaving、um, you know nice comments under those photos. So what that allows you to do is basically makes your name pop up on their notifications. And they say, "Oh, I've never seen this account before. Let me take a look at their work." And so that also、uh, gives them a higher chance of following you back. And so that was like the that's like my main 
way that I was able to grow my audience by engaging in the other hashtags, putting the social and social media, so to say. And then the number four is interacting with your audience by you know, putting call to actions, asking questions, asking them to do things, to interact with you, to tag a friend and stuff like that, because people are more, more likely to do something if you just ask them. So if you don't ask, then you don't get, basically. Hmm. And then number five is creating a freebie that encourages them, to, you know, saying as a way of like, thank you, or you get them to sign up for your uh, email list and they get that freebie download or something like that. For me, it's sometimes a pattern download or access to my resource collection for designers. Um, it's just basically something that you think would be of value or that would be helpful to your audience that they would appreciate. So those are my five tips. Awesome. And so, wow, what I mean, just valuable, valuable information. Thank you so much for sharing this. So you said, I, I probably can't pronounce it. Aroha? Aroha Knits. Aroha. So it's A-R-O-H-A Knits, just so that everyone knows. So um, that's, that's awesome. So all right. Well, I think everyone's going to be Instagram ready after this. <laughs> and I so, will say that this like these tips will still work even under the chain uh, Instagram's algorithm changes because what these changes for Instagram really means is that businesses really have to start working on how to create a more engagement with their followers and be more audience focused basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a new a kind of a new thing that's going on. Uh, that's a whole other conversation. Yep. I know you were, you were just scoping about that the other day. And, and then of course, it, you know, in my work, everyone's kind of says, hey, you know, watch or, um, you know, read this latest article about what's happening on Instagram. Oh, no, it's going to be a lot harder for us to connect. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know what, we're just going to have to think a little bit differently and get more creative. Yeah, so <laughs> that's it. It's like it's the Wild West, and it always will be out there. So we just have to have that kind of mindset, especially with uh, the, um, you know, the online, uh, you know, kind of interwebs. So okay, so shifting gears a little bit again, I want to talk about, because um, there's so much I want to talk to you about. I know. <laughs> I'm so much fun. This is awesome. So, you know, you were, um, so you were published in Creative Knitting yes. in the Spring 15 issue. And, you know, I, uh, so we first, you know, connected, you know, through that, uh, you're, you know, you were sending, you sent in a proposal and, um, and that, and so that was a lot of fun for us to, you know, to work together. And I wanted to kind of talk a little bit, though, about how I see that many indie designers, uh, you know, they struggle with the idea of working with publishers and magazines because they mistakenly think that, you know, that you're going to give up your best work. Um, so when you submitted your proposal to Creative Knitting, what value and opportunity did you recognize? being able to present my work to a larger audience and being able, and I think a lot of designers also feel like this, but when you have your work published in a official knitting magazine that gives you the status of an actual knitwear designer title instead of just <laughs> yourself, you, you call yourself a self-named designer. No, you're an official one now and it's legit. <laughs> but it was, it was for the audience and just being able to, to have a new experience of what it's like to work with another party, you know, going to dead, doing deadlines, filling out paperwork and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, and, and the thing that I, I'm always talking about, it it's the marketing exposure, like you just said, and that's, 
I think the fact that you recognize that is, um, is huge because, you know, it's just another facet of your business. And, uh, you know, you, you have in, you know, you, you, you create those indie patterns over here, you work with magazines over there and, you know, Hey, and you get paid for it. You get your name in the magazine, you get that added exposure and we pay you, you know, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I just, you know, wanted to talk about that because I think that that's a really important thing that, um, I think especially those that are wanting to start and have their own business, you know, it's, you, you need to be thinking of the different facets of your business and adding, working with publishers and working with magazines, think of it as part of your business plan. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. So that's very cool. Thanks for sharing that. No problem. And you're also coming up in, let's see, what issue? Oh my winter? gosh. Autumn? Uh, I think winter. Winter. Yeah. <laughs> no, I have to <laughs> Thank you for, yeah, you have it better than I do. I can keep it straight because, um, you know, I always have so many issues going on at one time. So yeah, winter. Yay. So I love it. I mean, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, just growing up that relationship. Yeah. So awesome. So um, let's talk a little bit about the mentorship relationship that we have because, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, you connected with me, you know, additionally on, you know, Patreon, we kind of got together there and, you know, I'm just talking to a lot of people um, through that platform as well. And, you know, so we started this this mentorship um, program and, you know, it's basically your way of, you know, staying accountable to, to what your goals are. And, you know, and like I said earlier, you know, there's something magical about that, you know, knowing that you have to talk to someone once a month or once every two weeks, and they're really going to hold you to the fire. You know what I mean? And so, uh, like, let's, you know, talk about that experience for you so far. Like, how is that helping you reach your goals? Well, so like you mentioned, having accountability is help you know keep making sure that i stick to my goals but the biggest benefit of having a mentor is someone who's basically at a position in the industry where i aspire to be hopefully one day or at least like at a level of credibility and just influence just having somebody share their experiences and things that have worked for them just someone to bounce ideas off of and be able to brainstorm together i think that's been the biggest benefit just having somebody to talk to and maybe sometimes cry to if, if it ever happens <laughs> yeah well understands mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and you know what i i feel like it's so valuable if you can actually strike up that sort of you know that kind of relationship because it's, yeah. it can be so valuable and if you have the chemistry you know it's great because there's so much that you, it becomes a give and take because you know i had a mentor myself and you know it it, it turned out that uh and, and this is something we never really talked about and i'll have to you know share more of that because it really was huge for me because you know she we basically became each other's mentor. I mean, that's how it felt. After a couple of years had gone by and we were just, you know, she was just taking me under her wing and, you know, she took me to the National Needle Arts Association for the first mm-hmm. time and I was on her like white on rice. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we talked about that, you, you and I, Francois, yeah. you know, because... Um, you know, that's something that I'm happy to, to, to also share and help you with, you know, if that's something that you want to do, mm-hmm. um, you know, because TNNA is coming up, uh, you know, later this year, actually in this I this am summer. planning on going to that. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be a really great time. 
And uh, so, yeah, so this, this kind of idea of paying forward, you know, here I am now nearly in the industry 15 years. And to be able to, to give the things that people gave to me is something that, um, that I'm really happy to be passing on to you. And that hopefully that's helping you get where you want to be, which I think that it is, you know, I think that I'm, we're seeing some really great results there. But also, the thing that I'm doing to is to kind of just get you to be thinking about those three things. I use that like number three, you know, because yeah. it's really important. It makes you focus in more, you know, I mean, you can just say, yeah, I'm doing, you know, all these things. You can make a huge list of things, but what are those things that are really having a huge impact? Like, and that causes you to sit and really think about those, those most important, you know, those overarching things, because from those, let's say it's three things, maybe it's even just one big thing, because out of those things, those major things are all these little sub things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it really gets you to think. And I think that that's something that uh, a tool, I, I don't know, I feel like that's something that we've been using over the last few sessions. And so I think that that's helping you to really think, wouldn't you say kind of like hone in a little bit more? Yeah, laser focus. <laughs> laser focus. I, I also like to call that more of like, you know, I like to say that's ninja focus. focus <laughs> you know, <like> it. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's great. So, you know, I just want to talk a little bit about that because I think that that's been a really um, great thing. And also, if anybody is interested in moving their business, uh, you know, a step further, you know, finding that person is huge. And also anyone that's in, in the industries, uh, you know, other designers that are doing things or knitters, you know, that are just, they want to just see where their hobby will take them. Just connect with them. Just reach out on social, you know, say, Hey, maybe let's jump on Skype and, you know, have a chat mm -hmm. or whatever it is just through email. And then you, you know, kind of test the waters and, you know, put your heads together and brainstorm. Um, and I do that with a couple of different people, you know, so me, myself personally, I have my own, you know, people that I talk to, uh, and about different things. So it's kind of a different group, right? Don't you do that too, Francois, where, you know, certain people you can talk to about this aspect of your business and then other mm -hmm. people you can talk to that aspect about your business. So, you know, it's really, it's a really good way to go. And I have my own, like, another accountability partner. I, I mentioned it before, Chelsea Fitch. We worked on we work on a lot of things together, and we just hold each other accountable and responsible and just making sure that we get things done. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, that's what it's all about, you know, and even just checking in, you know, yep. just like that little quick thing. So awesome. So, you know, we've been on a while. This is awesome. I could keep talking to you forever, but um, I know that you're getting probably sleepy over there in Japan. Yeah, a so, bit. <laughs> so I want to just do just a few closing, you know, questions and then we'll, we'll sign off. But um, can you share your best personal habit that contributes to your success? My best personal habit? Um, I think it's being able to write down a schedule and stick to it. And this is a habit that I've been able to cultivate and like really work on over the years, like since college, like my very first week in school in college, I mapped out my entire list of classes in order to get like my the certain majors I wanted, while also accounting for a study abroad time and getting and, you know, graduating in a certain amount of years. And I stuck to that, got that goal. And so that pretty much was able to fold like come over into my design work I have these goals I have this sit, uh, strict uh, schedule that I'd like to set for myself and I just stick to it and I'm just mm -hmm. in some and you know there are days where there are just there are just days where I 
can't focus or I'm just like I am not in the mood for this so I do give myself a break but when I get when I tell myself okay it's time to get to work you need to do this I just do it Mm -hmm. and do you have certain times of the day though where you're better than others like is there a a set time that you say this is when I'm going to do what I got to do well the very first thing that I do when I get up in the morning is just spend the first hour answering emails responding to comments on social media and getting that all out of the way because while I do enjoy that it does take up a lot of time and it's a lot of bit of busy work but like important busy work but Mm -hmm. once I get that out of the way I don't return to that until the next day and then I can get back on so I can do the next thing on my list which is like maybe writing up newsletters or recording videos like I do all the um design work uh, computer stuff in the morning and then in the afternoon that's when I start knitting up my samples so it's computer in the morning knitting in the afternoon Mm -hmm. so keeping consistency yeah. really helps you, right? I mean, yeah. instead of being willy-nilly like, hmm, yeah, today I'll start, do this first and then that first. So yeah, consistency. And you, we, we hear that across the board. It's so true. It even is. though sometimes, you know, even though it, it hurts sometimes, you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this this morning. But, you know, just, the, is that, do you ever have those mornings, but you just say, you know, this is what I committed to and you just keep going? Mm-hmm. Like you, yeah. yeah. Like this so morning. <laughs> So, so, and how do you fight through it? Do you just, you just don't think about it too much? I mean, I think it's, maybe it's a, a personality thing sometimes for some people. It's, it's like, even yeah, it's also just like a fine line between like, I really can't do this or, you know, put your big pants, big yeah. girl pants on, pants was, and you can do this. It's just being able to just like having a still moment and thinking, can I do this? Yes or no. And if it's no, then I will not do it because my body and mind are just really not in the place to do it. But if it's yes. I'm just like, okay, guess we got to do this. And sometimes if it's like a really big project, I will break it down to smaller pieces, manageable pieces, so I don't get so overwhelmed. But there are just other times I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to have to just barge right through this, put some music on and just go for it. Mm -hmm. Great advice. Great advice. So now how can the listeners learn more about you, Francois? Uh, Where they can find me? Yeah, (laughs) where where can they find you, Francois? (laughs) So you can find me everywhere on social media and on my website at Arohanets. So A-R-O-H-A. So Arohanets on Instagram, Periscope, Ravelry, Facebook. And then my website is arohanets.com. And on my website, you can sign up for my newsletters for the Designer Insider or to sign up for my, to get my newsletter from my patterns. I have two different newsletters for two different audiences. So, and also you guys, uh, don't forget that, that you can get that PDF. So can you give that link again, uh, Francois? Yes, you can get it at adahanets.com slash powerpearls. Awesome. Well, thank you, Francois. This was a great time. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me on there. It was so much fun. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Francois. And I want to uh, just thank her for joining me. It was very late at night (laughs) for Francois in Japan. It was probably close to 11 o'clock at night. And so here I'm in Indiana time is about nine. It was about nine, nine a.m. or so. So thank you for being, uh, you know, a good sport because we actually had some technical difficulties and my, one of my recorders was not working. It was not recording the episode, which was really, um, you know, frustrating because, uh, you know, 
you know, technology. Yeah, it's frustrating. So I guess you got to kind of roll with it. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed, uh, you know, just her tips. You know, she went through this whole, uh, all these steps, these five tips for really starting things up on Instagram, you know, to really just, uh, you know, I think it would be a great idea for you to, to get her guide and take these things to heart if you really want to start thinking about Instagram as a platform. And she, you know, she used the word portfolio, And I think that that's a really important thing to really think about because as I said during the interview, you know, she's going to be doing more work with Annie's and creative knitting. And, you know, when my boss asked, you know, hey, do you know, how can I find out more about her? You know, I just said, hey, check her out on Instagram. I mean, there it is. Like there it is. I was going to say in black and white, but there it is in full color. Like she just does an amazing job. And to think that Francois does that with her iPhone. So it just shows you. Uh, you know, that there, there's a world of possibility. And if you go about it with intention, you know, and think ahead, not like, you know, post a picture, because it looks like this looks great. This looks pretty. I mean, sometimes you get those like really great shots, and you should and I and I do that myself. But to be intentional about what it is that you are putting up there on Instagram, I think is a really is really, really good advice. So you know, check, check her out, um, check out, uh, rohanits.com to learn more about her because, you know, she also has some really great courses and, you know, we were, uh, you know, we only had so much time, but I know that she has some really great paid courses too. So you may want to check those out as well. And also, you know, please, you know, check me out on Patreon because I'm doing some really exciting things over there. And over the next couple of months, I'm going to start talking about kind of behind the scenes, like what's happening uh, before you hear about it on this podcast. So patreon.com is a platform where creators gather like me and you as, uh, you know, the listener of Power Pearls podcast, you can actually go to Patreon and you can become a supporter of this podcast for as little as a dollar a month, which is really, a really cool way to say, Hey, I love the podcast. I want to see it, you know, grow. I want to see it sustainable for the future. Because, you know, the truth be told, it is something that I do for free, right? This podcast, I want it to always be free for you. And so on Patreon, it gives me a chance to uh, put some goals out there. And my current goal is to outsource, outsource the show notes. And so you'll see that there are definite plans in place, like, so that, you know, your dollars, you know, if you are sponsoring the show, they're going towards something really important, you know, and so you get to see where, you know, what's happening and where that's all going. So my first goal is to outsource the production of the show, the show notes, um, you know, sitting, you know, behind the computer and editing out the ums and the ahs and adding intro music and commercials and ads and all this stuff takes a lot of time. It probably takes at least two hours and that's on the low end. So uh, if I can actually outsource that and pay for that, you know, have someone else do that than myself, uh, then that, guess what that means? That means this show could go to a weekly schedule. That's my goal. That's my goal. Right now, it's every other week. So check me out on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash. Always, I'm never sure if it's a forward or a forward slash or backslash. I, I think it's a forward slash. Yes. But it's patreon.com forward slash power pearls 
podcast. And if you just go to patreon.com and search for Power Pearls Podcast, you'll definitely find me that way. Or go to the show notes page on powerpearlspodcast.com and you'll see the big banner for Patreon. You can learn more because there are rewards, which I didn't, I didn't mention, but for becoming a sponsor, there are different levels of rewards. And, uh, you know, so there are perks, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a pretty cool thing to, to, to get involved in. And I myself also sponsor other creators on Patreon. So it's a beautiful thing. Check it out. That's patreon.com forward slash power pearls podcast. And last but not least, I want to clue you in about a really exciting collection that has just launched. Actually, it, it launched late in March. And it's called the Annie's Signature Designs Summer Love Collection. Now, you may have, may have heard of Annie's. I, I mean, obviously, I've talked about Annie's quite a bit on this podcast because creative knitting is part of Annie's. And Annie's is also a leading craft retailer. And they specialize in a variety of crafts, so many different areas. So, of course, there's knitting, and there's crochet, and there's quilting. There's cor- and there's card making and there's cross stitch and even home decor. So Annie's has it all, I'm telling you. So over the past couple of years, we have been thinking about, hey, you know, it's time to create an upscale collection of both knitting and crochet patterns for those enthusiasts that are looking for something that goes beyond just another pattern. So well, here's what we did. And I was part of this uh you know, this collaboration, if you will, of putting together two cohesive collections. So we just launched the Summer Love Collection, and it's a passionate celebration of knit and crochet patterns that are presented in two easy lookbooks. So it's beautiful. I mean, if you go on over to Annie'sSignatureDesigns.com, you will find a landing page and an easy way to view either the knitting lookbook or the crochet lookbook. And you can basically go page by page through this gorgeous imagery. We shot all of the, the, the designs on the beach against the backdrop of the Pacific Ocean. And we really took so much care into presenting this, this collection the best way possible. So it's a very upscale approach that we're taking. And the collection was envisioned by lead designer Lena Skavargason, who draws from more than 25 years in the European knit and crochet design markets. You know, this collection is definitely timely for Annie's because we've been listening to the needs of knitters and crocheters, and our answer is a lifestyle approach that invokes emotion, excitement, and passion for what you're going to make and what you're going to wear. I mean, these have to be wearable, realistic designs. They should be clothes that make you feel good and make people say, wow, did you make that? <laughs> so check it out. Check it out. Go on over to anniesignaturedesigns.com to view the lookbooks and please join us on Instagram. And you can find out a bunch of stuff. I mean, we've got contests and giveaways and we're announcing, you know, so many different activities that are going on. We're really trying to create a buzz over there. And also if you show us what you're making, what you're working on, then uh, we'll repost your photo on our, on our feed, on our page. So, you know, check us out over there on Instagram and head on over to annie's signature designs.com.
Well, you guys, that's about it. I'm going to wrap it up. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Francois. She is a wealth of information. So remember to go on over to her website, arohanits.com and find her on Instagram as well, just to see what she's up to and check out the gorgeous imagery that she's creating over there. So enjoy and I'll see you next time. 